uh, we had tickets right behind the stage, really good seats in Madison Square Garden. And it was like, towards the beginning of the show, um, I said, I grabbed his forearm. I'm like, I think he's going to play Down on Train right now. And he's like, okay, okay. That's Kyle's favorite song. All right, all right. I'm like, oh, shit, wrong guitar. Bruce turned around and walked back to where Kevin, his technician, is and gets the Fender Telecaster Starburst. I'm like, that's the right guitar. And then, boom, 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 boom. The guy, Kyle was having his own moment. The guy in front of me was like, what did you just do? <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Leslie Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me tonight is a passionate fan. We've already talked 20 minutes before I've even hit record, and it is Marya, right? That is correct. All right, Mar Marya Morris. Um, she read the Backstreet's article and sent me the funnest email. And um, she listed four or five reasons why I should include her on the podcast. And number two is my favorite. I speak in sentences and paragraphs, which I absolutely love. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So That's not even true. That was just some advice that was given to me a long time ago that I should do that. But well, I, always, I always fake it and act like it. that is how I speak. Tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Well, I live in um, suburban Chicago, and I probably the record number of people that I'm quarantining with, which is myself, my husband, my own mother, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, and an adult child or two. Wow, so you have a big pod. We do. We have a big pod. We have a relatively big house that shrinks by the month. Yes, I imagine it does. We're are down you, to about 800 square feet. Are you guys doing okay during this uh, traumatic just time? My hospital. She, my mother-in-law had COVID. Oh no. Well, she's okay. She had a moderate case, which isn't something you hear a lot about. Right. Um, and uh, the odd thing is, she had not set foot out of the house since March. Wow. And, um, myself and my son and my husband are the ones that run the errands, and we are we tested negative three times, and mm. it's kind of a mystery. Wow, that is well. I'm glad she's doing okay, okay. and um, and I'm glad you guys are surviving. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Well, we always like to go back to the beginning. So talk to me. Where did you grow up at, and what kind of music did your family listen to music when you were a kid? What kind of music did they listen to? I my parents are from New York, and I was born in New York, and spent my potty training years there mm. and I moved to Madison, Wisconsin when I was um, four. My dad was going to get a PhD and um, at the UW and my parents were really radicals in the 60s and very active in the anti-war movement um, against Vietnam and so I grew up listening to a lot of folk music and a lot of protest music like Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger and the Weavers and Peter, Paul and Mary. And my mom also had all the Beatles records. And uh, it's funny now to think that I was born in 1962. It's funny to think that I was listening to them contemporaneously with their release um, because they all seem like uh, history now. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, my mom um, blew through all the Beatles records one by one as they came out. So <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of Pete Seeger, a lot of uh, eyes on the prize. Which side are you on? Uh, we did a lot of protesting as a family. So yeah, they uh, they they were engaged, right? They were involved. And so you you, you grew up with that kind of vocal. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It really instilled um, my core values, which are are the same as they are 
when I was little. So I was going to ask you about that, uh, Mara. Is have you remained true to that? Do you still have a sense of rebellion? Do you still sense of you know fighting for justice? Absolutely. I don't even think of it as rebellion. I think of it as um, standing up for the right thing to do and the truth. The Vietnam War is a really complicated period of time in this country's history um, because of how the soldiers were treated when they came home and the rift that was going on at home, the war at home, and it's um, how it spilled over into people's perceptions of the, the guys and the women who went to war. And largely nothing has really changed. It was um, middle and lower class um, American kids who went because yeah. they had life opportunity. And, um, you know, a fair number of people in the movement back then didn't really understand that and blamed soldiers. And um, I don't think my, I, I'm thankful to say that. I don't think my parents really felt that way. They were a little bit older. They were graduate students. And so um, when there was a bombing on the campus in Madison, um, it was the middle of the night and it was so loud. We lived four miles away and we all ended up like upright in our beds on the floor. And my mom said, that was the Army Map Research Center. Wow. And she knew what she knew what had been being plotted and whatnot. And that was when there was like a division between um, you know, nonviolent peaceful protests against sure. the war and hardcore people. And it was real a real turning point. That was in nineteen seventy. So I, yeah, but I, I, I hold true to um the values associated with um, you know, inclusivity and economic equality. Yes. And um honesty and so i've had quite a quite a week as we all have yes um what's what's funny is um i was scheduled to uh record three podcasts last wednesday night as we're recording this it's november 11th uh veterans day speaking of um in remembrance of all those who have served and um and after the results on tuesday um I, I I did my Doctor Who podcast and I I emailed my partner and I said Charles I just don't know if I can do this <laughs> and he said I get you he said if you want to pass he said Holly and I can do it Holly was our guest uh, companion and he said look I get it if you don't want it yeah I don't want you to have to fake happiness and so um, him being so kind. I went, okay, I've got to do it. So, but the other two podcasts I had scheduled afterwards, I emailed them both and I said, I, I just can't talk to Bruce. I just can't. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, as we record this, um, you know, it's Wednesday, the 11th and, um, things got better as James Carville. I, we, I stayed up till three in the morning and James Carville on MSNBC at one point said, put away your Ambien, put away your razor blades. It's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I just wasn't, um, and, and I, we will get off politics in a minute, but you know, my son was looking at me like, why are you so depressed? He's 31. He said, you know, it's early yet. I'm like, okay. it shouldn't be this close. No, it, it, just, it just spoke volumes about yes. the, 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 Please 70 million of our fellow citizens saw what this guy could offer and said, yeah, I'll take more of that. Yeah. And, and I just, I, I'm, it's sad. It is sad. And, and it's, I don't want to talk to them and they're not get, they don't have access to uh, the full range of news sources. And I, and I get really condescending when I start in, yeah. but um, it just pisses me off. You know, there's like, they're out there with, $40,000 pickup trucks and their flags and their boats. And I, I've said this this week that we've had, um, in my family, we've had periods of economic hardship. And my, my profession um, for many years was city planning. And, and I was a, a consultant to local governments. And I worked on behalf of local governments my whole life. And so I know the value of government and what it adds. So it's like, not once during our personal family financial struggles did I ever think it was anyone else's job to improve our standing I wish there was higher um, payments for unemployment I wish the foreclosure laws weren't like they were yeah. but I never thought you know I'm going to starve government of all its resources and then complain what it doesn't do for me yeah you no know? 
Um, I put my hands around your neck. Yes. Anyway, yes. Moving but on. Things are good. Things are yes, good. They are good. Yes. I'm very excited and very good. Um, I also had to talk my kids off of, um, nope. down from the Bernie depression in March. Yes. Yes. They're like, I'm sorry. There's no way we're going to vote for Biden. And I was like, okay, I'm going to close this conversation. And then over the summer, um, just organically through their friends and through social media, it was like, we need to do something. Yeah. And I didn't, because I wasn't going to lecture them. Um, that doesn't work. And uh, they all were like, yay, Joe. Yes. You know, and I, and then, I, then I had a whole lesson that dinner one night on incrementalism, which kept everybody riveted, as well, you can and, imagine. <laughs> you know, and it's the idea, right, that... Um, you know, like Penn Gillette talks about in his podcast, he said that um, he was watching Joe Biden's speech mm-hmm. and he said it was a normal politician's speech. You're saying nice words, you're promising things, and the libertarian in me would have gagged and hated it. And he says, and I was in tears <laughs> because I am so desperate he says i am so ready to be mad at a politician about policies he -hmm. says but for the past four years you can't policy doesn't matter it's decency that matters Mm -hmm. it's kindness that matters and so um yeah it's really good to see i always like to ask how you discovered bruce but i'm going to ask it in a different way with this time do you feel like your need for social justice and in this desire of you being raised in that helped fuel your love of Bruce? Not initially. I mean, I, I was like an Elton John freak as an okay. adolescent in the early teens, And I have two siblings and my best friend, so we had the benefit of all that infusion of, of vinyl. You know, sure. we were into Jake Isles and Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin. And we got to, we, I saw the Rolling Stones and the Some Girls Tour in Chicago. We saw Led Zeppelin at the Chicago Stadium, and it was a it was a wonderful um, upbringing. But then what happened was my clock radio went off, and it had to have been somewhere between June fourth or June sixth and November nineteen seventy eight. And I heard I've been working so hard trying to get my hands clean, going to drive this dusty road from Monroe to Angeline. I'm like, who is that? The just the the, the harmonica, the guitars the passion in his voice and I figured out who it was and then I went and you know did what you do you listen to everything that the the lyric sheet from the the liner sheet of lyrics from inside yes. of the darkness record was like you know it's all in courier typeface and kind of a little bit askew I mean this thing was like a mang. I had it in my notebook I would open it and read it and then write down the lyrics um yeah but then um I think I don't feel like I felt a part of the the scene that he was building until I got a little um, older and I went to work or went to grad school and I was working in economic development and neighborhood community development and then I was really putting the pieces together and also finding out about um, his commitment to um, hunger as a as a cause and. Yes the veterans and I've always had this feeling in my heart about my parents um, and our, as a family, our, our relationship to the Vietnam War, if you will, and, and what's happened to veterans. And um, yeah. I remember learning that like two thirds of homeless people at the time when I was in college were Vietnam vets and instantly like that. It's like, okay, he, he and I are really on the same wavelength in a lot of ways. You know, what I find interesting um, Mara, is we still have a very bad veteran problem in this country, and we do not take care of our veterans as well as we should. Well, so I'm going to put that it, there though. first, right? Yep. But I do feel like one of the things that doesn't happen anymore is what happened in Vietnam, where we blame the soldiers for the foreign policy that the United States has, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, the and at least we have that going for us. That That was a lesson. Yeah. And I think that's a valuable lesson. Yeah. But then you look at like what happened with John Kerry and the swift voting. It's like, 
you are you nuts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's, seen, a, that's a different topic. But I, have that's you how seen? I made the made the yeah. leap. Have you seen um, Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago Seven on Netflix? I haven't seen it yet. I it's haven't really seen good. It. Of course, I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan. Yeah. You know, I, he can't do anything wrong with me. So I really love the film. So you should check it out. That It's on my list. Okay, good. Um, so, I'm a nerd junkie and I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm tapering off my addiction and trying to get into real enjoyable content. As yes, that's what Linda, my wife Linda is saying. Maybe I won't have to watch five hours of MSNBC every night now. <laughs> so. yeah. My kids are like, why does it have to be your backdrop every day? Yes. <laughs> so, it's yes. breaking news, honey. Yeah. It's breaking news. When, <laughs> so you're, you're discovering them and the music is speaking to you and, and you're captivated by it. Um, you, you, I take it you just went to find any album you could find and just started just in. Well, yeah. I mean, it was all, I just loved the, you know, the jangly guitars and the harmonica and his voice. And then I, um, then my brother was like, dude, uh, he was at the Coliseum on June 8th or, you know, yeah. he, one of his first stops on that tour was in Madison and our little Coliseum, which seated 10,000 people. Yeah. Everybody came through there. Everybody, yeah. you know, like Neil Young live bus tour. I saw there. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, why didn't you ask me to go? Yeah. So, <laughs> rude. Yeah, so I went back and I listened to the first two albums, which were a little bit too adult for me at the time. It wasn't, there wasn't enough action. Yeah. Wasn't enough power and volume. Um, and then Born to Run, obviously. And I knew, actually knew Born to Run songs because I had made the big switch to FM radio. Sure. In that period of time. Okay. Um, and so I knew those songs. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, this guy. This guy. Yeah. Yeah. So and I always. Was, um, it was like, I, you know, I went to see him my first mm -hmm. show and I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. So I always like to preface this that the number of times you've seen him is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. Because no. it could be based on your age, where your economic situation, where you live. There's just a lot of circumstances. But for the record, do you know how many times you've seen him live? I do. Okay. So I have seen him about 135 times. Okay. I say about because when they went to like printed home tickets, things got wonky. And I, um, I had a beautiful, lovely ticket stuff collection that kind of went down the tubes. And I also had started a, a spreadsheet for my songs and shows and I never went back and finished it, but that'd be a really good um, Biden era project. I don't know if you know, but there's a website called My Boss Time. My boss. I will send you the link. I know Bruce Base, of course. I've written I yeah. wrote an academic paper about Bruce. Yeah, so it's called My Boss Time. Yep. And it has every show that he's ever performed. Yep. And you create a free account and then you go and you pick the shows you have. And then behind the scenes, it does a spreadsheet that says, this is how many times you've heard Promised Land. These oh, are I don't the even have to do it myself. No, it will tell you, like, for example, I've gone to um, 16 shows. And the only song I've heard on all 16 shows is The Rising. Really? Yes. That's so interesting. Yes. Um, it will, possible. Yeah, I know. Oh, wait, all 16 shows. Okay. Yeah. Because I, thought, yeah. Okay. Um, cool. I did my first show wasn't until 2002. I know, which is something that I find really um, quite cool about you. Yeah. You have fresh eyes. Yeah. So the other thing, right, is it will tell you um, your rarities. Like, uh, you know, he's only played the wall like six times and I was there at one of them. And, you know, these things. So it's a, get ready. It will you will take down a you will go down a rabbit hole, but it is a fun rabbit hole. So uh, yeah. Elko has yeah. been on the show talking about it. He does this all out of labor of love. And it's my boss base. So I'm writing that down. Why don't I know about that? Yeah. So okay. the proud sponsor of Set Lessing Bruce. <laughs> oh, it is? No, I just, I always tell people about this. Oh, that's like the Pod Save America guys, not a sponsor. They mentioned yes. something. Yeah. So you mentioned darkness, but um, let's talk. What do you think of Letter to You? Um, 
Jesse? Yes. I've been waiting for this record. The song, Janie Needs a Shooter, is very important to me. Um, the tiny little uh, outtakes that mm -hmm. existed. And then, but more importantly, really, the Warren Zevon cover. Or, I guess it's not really a cover. He gave him the title. Right. I think then Warren took it and wrote a Bruce Springsteen song. Yes. Kind of funny in his own way. Um, I needed this to be a song that I loved. <laughs> When this record came out, and I, I told a friend of mine, I told my friend Chris, I'm like, I'm too nervous to listen to it. Can you listen to it? Let me know if I'm gonna like it. My every single hair on my body stood straight up when I heard that. Mm -hmm. They pulled out every stop, and the in the production, I don't know how they, I don't know how. I, I'm not a music person. I don't ever ever been in a recording studio, but I was so taken by how hearable every element of it is and i wanted to fly to wherever roy bitten lives and just hug him yes for, for the fills the piano fills it just um it just means so much to me in it, in it and i hear darkness the song darkness in it i hear something in the night in it um it's just um it, you know it's it's magical. I when I first heard "Letter to You" the song on the radio, um, I wasn't enthralled. I I didn't like the strain on his voice, but after I watched the film, I feel like I feel thankful for that song, and I like it more because of what he put into it. And I realized yeah. they should do a movie for every the making of every record, and I would probably love every song. Absolutely, <laughs> I um. You know. Yes, I, I agree, and um, I, I've just it it is it is such a gift. I have said multiple times that if we get a new Springsteen album in October, a new President in November, maybe twenty twenty is not the crappiest year ever. Oh, what a finish! <laughs> you know. You know. So, which it's, is nice to hear. It's been so fun for me to. Um, I'm a gardener, and I. Um, I take care of this huge garden near my house uh, for a woman who she doesn't have the time or really the interest the perennial flower garden you know mm -hmm. so I had I, that was my escape during the pandemic the reason I had to leave the house yeah Hopefully is that garden ever in good shape right now I bet it <laughs> is yeah <laughs> but, um, yeah so I I had a lot of time over there mm -hmm. just, you know keeping a repeat 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 because just to nail it down um, but yeah I'm I'm enamored. There's a couple of them that I'm not crazy about, but that's always the case. And I actually yeah. haven't been crazy about an album start to finish of Bruce's since The Rising. Magic came close, but um, I, I wouldn't call it disappointed, but maybe it's just the way that listening habits have changed. I just pick the songs I like, and then I never hear the other ones again, which okay. is really, really too bad. It's, you know, I feel like I feel like I owe him more or, or something. Yeah. I owe myself more, maybe. I don't know. I, I wish I was um, all in on all of it, but um, I'm not. Just well, and I don't listen to them again. Well, I, I, I think I do that too sometimes. Like I will go, um, you know, I'll pick four or five songs from like High Hopes that I love hearing. And so I'll just skip, right? That, the four or five songs on High Hopes that I love and I'll hear over and over again. Or you end up making a playlist of songs that you love and, you know, you hear those over and over again. Yeah. And it is kind of nice sometimes, though, where you just put the album on beginning to end and just like, you know, for the discipline of, OK, I want to hear this completely and, record. You know, yeah, and enjoy that. So, yeah, I yeah. can see that um, yeah. you you teased that there is a downbound train story you need to tell me. There is. Um. Are we going to run out of time? You're going to have to. No, you're good. Back, and yeah, you're good. We could no, no. We're, we'll have a second interview if we need to. Okay, That's fine. I got, I got, I have three stories. I. Let's go for it. Here for you. My downbound train story is this. So my friend Kyle, um, who uh, I bought him his ticket for the show on February second, nineteen eighty-one, to go the river tour. Okay. Um, uh, because it's like. It, it was, they were eleven dollars each. I bought ten tickets, and I gave them away. And I said, "If you don't like this, you don't have to pay me back." And um, 
just had the most fabulous night, obviously. Mm-hmm. So he's been um, one of my, he was like before, before the reunion tour, I always had to have somebody go with me and it was always somebody like, maybe they really wanted to, or maybe they didn't. And then the reunion tour starts and the internet's in places like, I don't have to drag people from my real life. Yeah, I have, I, have, I, I, I have my Bruce family now. Yes. Yeah, no, I don't even want them to go sometimes. I got to go meet my people, right? Yes, so, exactly. Um, like I have a certain thing that we, like they have showed jitters that I just need to have my own process and it can't be about anybody else but me and then Bruce. Yes. So anyway, um, Kyle um, flew out to New York um, for two shows and the uh, we had tickets right behind the stage, really good seats in the Madison Square Garden. And it was like, towards the beginning of the show, um, I said, I grabbed his forearm. I'm like, I think he's going to play Down on Train right now. And he's like, okay, okay. That's Kyle's favorite song. All right, all right. I'm like, oh, shit, wrong guitar. Bruce turned around and walked back to where Kevin, his technician, is and gets the Fender Telecaster Starburst. I'm like, that's the right guitar. And then <laughs> the guy, Kyle was having his own moment. The guy in front of me was like, what did you just do? <laughs> and I think it was like, I had been going to so many shows. I was just so fully in tune with, with yes. it. And I was, I didn't know that he was going to do that. I don't even know what the written set list said, if that was a, a you know, wild mm-hmm. card or not. But it was like, it was such a moment. That is hilarious, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, you're just like sending, I'm, I'm, I'm reading. the message. We're, 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 I'm sending you the vibe, Bruce. That's yeah. great. Like, this fella here, and he only played it like, a, I think I should look again, but I think it was only like maybe four times on the whole tour. Yeah. This guy's here now. He needs to hear this. I love that story. That yeah. is amazing. So, um, what's the furthest you've driven, uh, traveled for a show? The furthest I've traveled? I've yes. never been out of the country. Well, except for Vancouver and Toronto. They don't, yeah. I've never been off of New York, of, uh, New York State, what I'm saying. Um, you know, North America. Um, yeah. I've done... I. I had the pattern of doing like the whole Florida run. I always go out east for whatever I can do mm-hmm. um, in the Meadowlands in New York um, and then LA. And then I always do Seattle, Portland and, and the one year, 2003, Vancouver. I go, you know, that's where I have places to stay and stuff. So yeah, um, driving, like for me, the worst drive ever is to Auburn Hills in Michigan which is like, as far as I can tell, about 180 miles north of Detroit. Uh-huh. But I think there are venues downtown now. Anyway, that, that's a pain in the ass because it's like a seven-hour drive. Yeah. Um, St. Louis, awesome shows in St. Louis. I always go to St. Louis. Uh-huh. Um, but Very the fun nice. thing was I had a job where I could fly. I could like um, leave and go, and I put all the shows that were upcoming on our shared calendar. So if I was at work, people were like, weren't you supposed to be in, you know, yeah, yeah. Or weren't you supposed to be in Houston? Like, yeah, I decided to stay here. I don't want to work. To do. <laughs> That's hilarious. There was, was one time where I got, I let, I got to work and I got a phone call, um, that I had a ticket waiting for me, and I like, okay, I gotta go, and I le- literally like left the office, went to O'Hare, and got on a plane and went to a show. That is awesome. Yeah, that is great. The closest I've been able to do is um my other passion is brian wilson from the beach boys yeah yeah so interesting yeah and for a time in suburban chicago yeah yes he did why. yes he did was that with the swami was that during the swami period of uh life? no i think it was after he'd uh after landy had gotten uh after they had fired landy him and melinda lived there and anyway so he was doing a he had done a an album of gershwin covers and he was touring and he was going to Winnipeg, Canada. And oh. it just so happened that the company I worked for at the time had an office in Winnipeg that I managed. And um, I went to my boss and I said, I have not been to Winnipeg in over a year. 
Um, we usually, I go to Winnipeg once a year. I want to go. He's like, okay. I said, now I got to be honest with you. The reason I'm picking this weekend is Wednesday night, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys is playing. So I'm flying in Tuesday. We'll, you know, we'll have meetings. I mean, it will be a real business meeting, but then I'll fly back, you know, Thursday or Friday. He's like, okay, I don't care why you're going. He says, that's you, you always go. So that was the best. And um, I, I told the guys, it, you know, the, the scene in Blinded by the Light, where you know the the young boy says why are you coming to america i'm going to tour i did that i'm like what are you doing well if you if you're if, i said if you're my boss i'm going for a business meeting but the reality is i'm coming up here to see brian wilson perform the yeah. the uh, immigration officer did not find it funny <laughs> he did yeah. not think it was cute well, um yeah i used to i i I kind of had my whole department on board with my mission. That's great. Yeah. That's and I've been there for a long time and it was, mm -hmm. um, this was like reunion through 2006 yeah. when I left and, and they were all cheering me on. You know, I didn't, I didn't like get in the weeds with yeah. it <laughs> too much. So are there other songs that have meant a lot to you and your family? Other, other Bruce songs? Yes. Like, is well, there, you mentioned about how, you know, not necessarily the album speaks to you anymore, they're individual songs, but are there personal anthems or songs that ha mean something to you or your family? For example, we, my, go ahead. My husband and I, we've only been married for 12 years. And okay. uh, when we got married, my, my big walk down the non-existent aisle was to Backstreet's. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we met, um, we met on eHarmony and I joined eHarmony on a dare Okay. and I tried to prove that, um, I was unmatchable. So I thought it was like a Christian website. So I put in like, you know, like your politics, like other radical, yeah. aggressive anarchists. I just like, I tried to mess it up and then, and then he popped up. And I think the only reason he popped up is because he happened to mention um, the Seeger Sessions Bruce Springsteen album. Okay. And what he was listening to right then. And I was like, you might as well just get married today. Yes, exactly. You know? Right? Like One of it was you have to watch Colbert and or The Daily Show and Colbert back to back no matter what. Yeah. Um, and that was the era. Yes. And he did that. So he, he checked all the boxes, but that was, um, that's awesome. That yeah, was the secret sessions. Um, I think in their algorithm, like they didn't know what to do with me, but they did figure that out. Mm -hmm. Um, if I should fall behind with the secret sessions is one of my favorite. I love that waltz version of that. I know. I know that just, you know, he's so good with the arrangements. Yes. Uh, he's so so creative, at, you know, just to use a basic word like that. I don't, I don't know how to think in the way that he does to bring new life to songs that yes. have been different. And um, it's just remarkable when he does it. You know, just yeah. think of like Atlantic City. Yes. Um, you know, one of the obvious ones, or, or one of my all-time favorites is the, the Tom Morello and Bruce, um, Tom Jode version. Right. He'd already, always, you know, obviously already rocked that song out before yeah. Tom came on the scene, but um, talk about reimagining it. Yeah, and it is kind of funny that, you know, Atlantic City being from Nebraska, you know, this, this stripped down and now has become, if not a E Street Band standard, it is a song that you, you are not surprised when the band pulls out together. I know. Yeah, that's awesome. Was that, the, was that the first song of the, that was really the main song from Nebraska that the band has been doing um, forever. Well, yes, I think so. 2000 or 99. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we would do open all night, but that yeah. is a, I want to hear open all night like on a banjo. I want it in a bluegrass version. Probably oh, exists somewhere, but. Yeah, that would be fun. Did, um, did you get to go to Broadway? I did. And since there weren't any shows then, I spent the, as much as I would 
if as if I were going all over the country. Okay, right. You're like, hey, I've got I have rationalization tools that are just top notch. That is, there is nothing wrong with that. Thank you. Yes, so, that so makes sense. Go all that way to New York. You, you all are that a, way. You're a wise woman, Miss Morris. I'm not going to sit woman. there and wish I was closer. Right. You know. So we were there on November 14th of whatever year that was, 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. It just, um, you know, it, it, the show was just um, like last week when I, um, after the, no, it was on Saturday when they declared the election. I took this breath that I didn't realize I hadn't taken such a deep breath in mm -hmm. maybe four years. And then I found other people online who felt I had like a similar experience with breathing. I think I held my breath for that whole show. Yeah. And I walked outside and I was just like euphoric. It was just like this dopamine hit. And he, the way he speaks, the way he describes things, and he continues to be able to do it like in the radio show. Yes. You know, from my home. Like, where do you get this language? Where do you, 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 he's not even like necessarily repeating the same concepts, even though it's all thematic. I'm you know, what's, what's interesting. Words, you know. I, um, I had, I've had a, a writer named Ron Martz on the show a couple of times. And he has mentioned that Stephen King and Bruce Springsteen are his two mainer, two main influences of writing. He's they were mainer. his influences. Yes. He's a mainer. <laughs> yes. Um, and, no, 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 no. And um, he said, we know he's a good storyteller. So why are we shocked how, that how good of a storyteller he is through his radio show? Why, why are we not, you know, and it's true. He, he has weaved such great stories in those radio shows. But, but it's almost like every time he has to write a speech for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or whatever, it's like he did it again. Yeah, he came up with a different angle on the same themes. He made it all new. Yeah, I agree. I, I transcribed um, something from uh, near the end of the Letter to You film. Like I'm using this the next time I'm asked to do a eulogy. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I will Absolutely. give him credit because everyone is going to know those aren't my words. Yes, but um, just amazing. Yeah. Um. There, you said you had other stories to share. You talked about that you currently are involved with live storytelling um, on Zoom through it's it's a the moth, correct? Yes, I do. Well, I I the moth is the one that everybody knows. That's okay. You know, on NPR and um or whatever public media. I don't know. Okay. It is, but um they. I have been telling stories on stage for about five years, and then I started doing the moth because um, I, I was sort of it was a challenge to myself. The stories can only be five and a half minutes, six tops, okay. and it requires you to to edit and throw up stuff that you wish you left in and whatnot. And um, I had a lot of success right away. And good that, for you. That's not, nothing like winning to make you want to continue to compete. Yes. So I've I've been in. I've, 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 I don't know how many I've been in overall, but I've won like six regular story slams and I've been in three grand slams and won two grand slams. Nice. And the very first story I ever told was about um, this amazing lengthy encounter I had with Bruce. Um, it, and it was, I, it makes me laugh now because um one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm I'm coaching other storytellers. Yes. And the story I told that night violated all the rules that now I think are. Yeah. <laughs> well, you teased that you had that story to share. Yeah. With uh, so you want to let me know what it is? Okay. Um, one of my dear friends, one of my closest Bruce friends. Um, she's a comedy writer and producer, and she got uh, a call from. Uh, Conan O'Brien's head writer and said, you know, Bruce and or Patty Scalfa is going to be on our show. So if there's ever a time you want to come, maybe that would that someday that would make sense. So, you know, 
she's like, we're free. I'm free. And then yes. we, so we went to, we went to New York the next day and uh, it was the next day. And we got tickets to this event in the morning that was recorded at CBS where it was like this sort of fake audience thing with her doing a, the morning show. And we get to the, the CBS building and we, are, we go up these stairs and um, we're like being herded like you are in an audience. And I see Bruce down the hall talking to somebody and my knees buckled and like all the blood drained from my face. Sure. And my friend Emily, who's a lot younger than me, she was born one month before my first show. Okay. okay. She was born in 1978. Well, she's a spring chicken. She was like, just pull yourself together. <laughs> she's like, what did Walter Payton say? Act like you've been here before. Yes. You're an embarrassment. <laughs> so we go in, and, and the whole time that Patty and the band are performing, I can see Bruce, and I'm trying so hard not to watch him and watch her. And she is just lovely. I mean, I love her voice so much. And then, so then we left that. It's like 11 o'clock in the morning. And then at three, this guy from Conan calls Emily and says, Well, they're already here if you want to come upstairs. So we got our passes and went up to the fifth floor or sixth floor at Rockefeller Center and the elevator doors open and Bruce is standing there and he says to no one in particular, I can never remember where the men's room is here. And I did my best David Sedaris impression. And I said, I think it's the one that says men's restroom above the door. <laughs> And then all of a sudden the tables turn and Emily's like, don't talk to him. What, are you, what the hell are you doing? You can't. So he goes to the bathroom and we're just like, we spent four hours in this corridor with Nils was there. Susie was there. Patty, obviously. Um, Roy Bitten was there. Steve Jordan, the drum, you know, famous drummer sure. producer. And uh, Bruce and Landau and Barbara Carr and some other people from John Landau Management. And we were there as guests of this writer who came down to say hello to us. Um, but we, we were just sort of there and we had just said hello to Patty in the morning. And she kind of knew we were fans, but she didn't really seem to care. So like we helped yeah. her take her outfit out to wear on stage. And oh, nice. We came around with cookies and asked us if we wanted cookies. And then I had a long conversation with Barbara Carr about Chicago and, um, and what shows we'd been to. And it was just, and then you know, Bruce was like, you girls were there, weren't you? Like just some random event. He like made an effort to include us in the conversation. Oh. It was so cool. What and a then, lovely memory. Then then she goes out to perform into the studio or all of them. There's like, you know, 10 people in that band. And we all walk over to where there's a monitor on the whatever ceiling or whatever. And um, I'm standing right next to Bruce. There's only like six people there. Yeah. I'm standing next to him and we're watching and we're head bobbing and everything. And then I grab his forearm and I said, when she's done, I'm like, were you nervous for her? And he goes, I was. How do you think she did? I said, I thought she was great. He goes, I think so too. That like, is... He's like, I'm going to go tell her. And then, and then, you know, she came back and there were like hugs and kisses and um, we're waiting for someone to ask for our phone number and then because Patty had said where should I perform if I get to tour we told her what venues in Chicago she needed yeah. to come to um, so, but that was it then we went downstairs and we left and um, it, you know it was one of these did that it was four hours we were four hours we were there so it was kind of nuts I didn't That's... share that story I didn't share that story for a really long time because I felt um, I have the dream the Bruce dreams I have are almost always about me being in a place that I'm not supposed to be. Right. I've snuck, in, I've snuck into a sound check. I'm I'm in the bathroom and everybody is outside and I can't leave the bathroom because they're gonna know that I snuck in. Uh -huh. it, it had that exact same feeling, but I was totally legit, you know? That <laughs> like, is awesome. I was, I was allowed to be there. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you love chasing songs. So one of the questions I always ask is when he tours again, are there songs you've not heard live that you're still chasing? Um, well, I, you know, the, 
the last couple of tours really helped out with the sure. song pacing. I hadn't seen Tougher Than the Rest since the Tunnel tour, and I saw it on August 25th, 2016 in the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium. And so that was massive. That was the song I was really chasing again. Um, but now there's an outtake on the river uh, from the river called Stray Bullet. Yeah. Really atmospheric, creepy song that I wish was in place of Point Blank, which always kind of bored me. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, we're. It's okay. Um, it's a safe <laughs> yeah, space. It's a safe space. Yes, yeah, sorry. I never, I, I didn't, never needed that song. Um, but Stray Bullet is like eerie and weird, and the story is odd. It mentions the Annandale train, which reminds me of the Steely Dan thing. <laughs> the song okay. about that'll be the day I go back to Annandale. Um, yeah, so Stray Bullet, and then obviously, um, Jane needs a shooter. Which yes. Will, I'm 100% assured if there is another tour that I will hear that song. Yes. And then there's a real oddball outtake called Richfield Whistle. Okay. Which, um, the only time I've ever heard it was when Tom Morello hosted a guest DJ spot on Sirius XM uh -huh. on East Street Radio. Yeah. And I, and I tried to listen to it again and I clicked on it on YouTube and it like just, um, loads and loads and never loads okay so i don't know if it really exists i don't know that one so that's interesting that's good really deep i don't even know what it might be i think it's a nebraska born uh -huh. in the usa era it's a super wordy song so it's got echoes back to the old old days uh -huh. um literally about a, a guy in job okay. so yeah those are my those are my big ones i don't i think the only real chance i have is to hear um, Jane the shooter. Yeah. Shooter We're all crossing me. our fingers. You're like me. Absolutely. Yeah, 2022. Um, I, I always ask this question, but I think I should save it and, and have you a second time because what have I not asked you that I should have? Um, about the, the, the um, research paper I wrote about Bruce and geography okay. and my connection to the geography and the music. Okay. Um, other show moments. All right. So special ones. So what I want to do is put a pin on it, okay. and let's let's schedule a second meeting, and I'll have we'll talk about that. You, when I initially contacted you, this was two months ago, and you're like, "I'd like to talk to you on November 11th." Yes. I know that sounds like a long time from now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it and, totally and, cracked me up yeah. because I uh, it did. But then it was fine. Yeah. Out, I had an election to watch. An yes, absolutely. And uh, I will not wake you another month again. We will figure out another night to get together. And I want to hear all those stories. Um, and so do you want to do the Mary question now? Or do you want to do the Mary question when I have you on the next time? Mary question. It's ways, damn it. No, no, no. The question is, does Mary get in the car? Yeah. All right. Whoa. All right. So let me preface it. it. So let me give you the preface. Uh, Jason Armstrong is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. And every year he has his seniors and they take Thunder Road and break it down as a poem. They spend two days going over all the lyrics. They discuss the imagery used in it, the th themes in the a song, they compare it, to, compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. Mm. And at the end of the two days, he asked this question, does Mary get in the car? Yeah. So you've already answered yes, but do you want to expand on that? I think that she gets in the car because when he describes that song, he, he describes it as an invitation. It's, yes. it's, it's all the hope that there is to have. Right. Um, He's young. She has no reason to say no. Okay. Um, there's no Papa lowering the boom. Okay. There's no stolen car. You know, all the shit that's about to fall on everybody is still up there. Okay. They don't even know what they have waiting. All right. I like that. I on like that, that answer. Note. All right. <laughs> if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way they can? Are you on social media at all? 
I'm on the Facebook still because I got all my groups on there. Okay. Um, I'm on Instagram. I think I'm searchable by my my full name, Maria Morris. Okay. And um, I'm, I supposedly have a website with all my moth stories, but that's just, you know. That's in development, Jesse. It's a WIP, work in progress. Yeah, my okay. cousin's husband, um, former boss's son's working on it or something. Okay. Like that. All right, well, very nice. Yeah. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing this. I'm going to email you uh, and we will schedule another time soon. And yeah. we, I want to hear all about the geography. I want to hear other stories. And I can't wait to visit with you again. It was and, fun. Yes. In the meantime, please be safe. Take care of your we're, family. We're mask crazed up here in Illinois. I'll have you know. Well, numbers, all we do is put our masks on. Absolutely. And you, my audience, remember to social distance. Remember yeah. to uh, wash your hands. Wear an effing mask, as the man says. And take care of yourself and be good to each other because we need you to be. And for now, thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. This podcast would not be possible without the support of my wonderful patrons. I want to say thank you to Mary Thomas, Terry Smith, Dale Hosek, Elizabeth Bronson, Stephen Malio, Anna Lynn, Steve Rogers, Hollick McMillian, and Chris Bloom. All of you are wonderful people. I appreciate you so much, and thank you for supporting the podcast. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. That listing Bruce. Set listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.